Let's pray. Father, on this Christmas day, help us to remember again the great thing you did at Christmas. You brought your firstborn into the world and said, let all God's angels worship him. The word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. And we pray, Lord, that this would live in our hearts today as Christ lives at your right hand even now. And in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, what is Christmas? On the one hand, Christmas is a traditional festival with its music, jingle bells, joy to the world. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. There's tons of it. It's probably been playing in your house all day, if not all week. It's got its food, mince tarts, ham, seafood, Christmas pudding. It's got its rituals, the office parties, carols in the park, the family gatherings, the present giving, the Christmas trees with all their decorations and trips to the beach. It's a traditional festival. On the other hand, Christmas is the worship of Jesus Christ. We've just sung in our carol, Jesus, to thee be glory given, word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. O come, let us adore him. Now, when it comes to Jesus, I hope we can agree that Jesus was a human being. Dates may vary by a few years, but Jesus was born in Bethlehem around 4 BCE, near the end of the reign of Herod the Great. 30 or 33 years later, in the reign of the Roman Emperor Tiberius, John the Baptist began to draw crowds to the Jordan River. And quite soon, perhaps within a year or so, Jesus, who had grown up in Nazareth, began his own public ministry around 29 AD. And at Passover in 33, Jesus was crucified outside Jerusalem. Here are the key dates of a human life. Reconstructed from what we know of first century emperors and governors and potentates and high priests, people like Tiberius and Augustus and Pilate and Caiaphas and Herod the Great and Herod Antipas. Also from ancient calendars, from eclipses that were noted and calculated, all of that. However, there's another dimension to Jesus. Within 70 years of Jesus' death, the the letter to the Hebrews, which we heard the opening of read, and the Gospel of John, which we also heard the opening of read, within 70 years of his death, these were most likely written, that is, by the end of the first century. And this was possibly, you know, 30 to 40 years after Jesus' death, quite a few decades earlier than that. And Hebrews and John open with extravagant claims about Jesus. They differ in their modes of expression, but they converge in their content. They claim that Jesus was, in truth, the Son or Word of God come into the world. Hebrews says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, through whom he appointed, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. 
sustaining all things by his powerful word. Or, as John puts it, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And both these uh, terms, son and word, express a deep identity with God as well as a distinction from God. There is distinction there. The Son is the radiance of God's glory. The Word was with God. And there's identity as well. The Son is the exact representation of His being. The Word was God. God has spoken to us by His Son and visited us by His Word. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling amongst us. And the Word, who is God's Son... The man who is God's word is fit to be worshipped. When God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. And what Christians do is worship him. Come and behold him. Born the king of angels. O come, let us adore him. At Easter we worship Christ particularly for what he did He provided purification for sins in his death and resurrection. At Christmas, we worship Christ particularly for who he is. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Is not just a man, but the word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. So let's ask, can we really do that? Can we worship Jesus as the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being? Now, worship has fallen somewhat out of favour. It's rarely spoken of. Perhaps it's seen as a bit demeaning to human dignity to give praise and honour to God. What is worthy of human beings in many current opinions is to honour ourselves, to believe in humanity, to delight in our capacities, to embrace the human spirit in all its strength and frailty and all its light and shadow. This is the most fitting subject of human admiration, of trust and allegiance. What can I say? I think this is a mistake. When we make the material universe the boundary of reality, when we believe it's up to us to make our own meaning in an uncaused, unintended universe, then I suggest we turn in on ourselves and we begin to consume ourselves. Here's author David Foster Wallace in his Kenyan College commencement address of 2005 speaking about the way he sees uh, modern life. He says to the students, because here's something else that's weird but true. In the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there is actually no such thing as atheism. There is no such thing as not worshipping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. 
and the compelling reason for maybe choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship, be it JC or Allah, be it Yahweh or the Wiccan Mother Goddess or the Four Noble Truths or some inviolable, inviolable set of ethical principles, the compelling reason for choosing that is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough. Never feel like you have enough. It's the truth. Worship your body and beauty and sexual allure and you'll always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you'll die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. We hear a lot about the rise in anxiety and depression and self-harm and deaths of despair. And experts are trying to develop their evidence-based support and education programs. But what if Foster Wallace is onto something? What if some of the uptick in mental health issues is in part a consequence actually of a worship problem? A failure to choose some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship. And now worshipping things located in the human world and that's eating us alive. Obviously at church, you'd expect me here to say that you need to anchor your life beyond the material, beyond the animal, beyond the political, beyond the profitable, beyond the pleasurable. You'd expect me to say that you and I need to anchor our lives in the divine, in the spiritual, the just, the good, the holy, if we are to flourish in the material, the animal, the political, the profitable and the pleasurable. And you'd also expect me to say that the spiritual beyond the animal, the just beyond the political and the profitable, the good beyond the pleasurable, that is all grounded in the end in the divine, in the holy, in God, the creator. You'd expect me to say it, and here I am saying it. This Christmas, I recommend worship to you. Bowing down, giving glory to God. Here's another author, Paul Kingsnorth, recounting his journey into worship. On my 40th birthday, I treated myself to a week-long Zen retreat in the Welsh mountains. The effect of seven days of disciplined meditation in a farmhouse with no electricity was astonishing. Something in me flipped open. For the next five or six years, I practiced Zazen and studied the teachings of the Buddha. It is clear enough why Buddhism is taking off in the West as Christianity declines. Its metaphysical claims seem convincing. Its practices, when taught properly, yield results. And as a tradition, it is even older than Christianity. It is, in short, a serious spiritual path, but with none of the cultural baggage of the church. And yet... As the years went on, Zen was not enough. It was full of compassion, but it lacked love. It lacked something else too, and it took me a long time to admit to myself what it was. I wanted to worship. My teenage atheist self would have been horrified. Something was happening to me, slowly, steadily, that I didn't understand but could clearly sense. If 
felt like I was being filed gently into a new shape. Something was calling me. But what? He joined a Wiccan coven and worshipped a nature goddess under the stars. But then he dreamed of Jesus. And quite separately, his wife suddenly told him, you're going to become a Christian. And then Christians were everywhere in his life. And he writes, I began to feel I was being hunted. I wanted it to stop. At least I thought I did. I had no interest in Christianity. I was a witch. A Zen witch, in fact, which I thought sounded pretty damn edgy. But I knew who was after me and I knew it wasn't over. After that, there was no escape. Like C.S. Lewis, I could not ignore the steady, unrelenting approach of him whom I so earnestly desired not to meet. How much later it was that I was finally pinned down, I don't remember. I was at a concert at my son's music school. We were in a hotel function room full of children ready to play their instruments and proud parents ready to film them doing it. I was just walking to my chair when I was overcome entirely. Suddenly I could see how everyone in the room was connected to everyone else. I could see what was going on inside them and inside myself. I was overcome with a huge and inexplicable love. A great wave of empathy for everyone and everything kept coming and coming until I had to stagger out of the room and sit down in the corridor outside. Everything was unchanged and everything was new. I knew what had happened and who had done it. And I knew that it was too late. I had just become a Christian. Now, not everyone needs or has such a winding and colourful path to the worship of Jesus. But I want to recommend either letting Jesus catch up with you if you're running away or going out to look for him. And I hope that St Edmund's is a place that can help you with either of those things. Do be in touch with us if you wish. I hope you can celebrate Christmas as the human festival that it is, with its food, its music, its company, its ritual and its rest. I hope and pray too that you can also celebrate Christmas with that inner act of worship that lives at the origin of Christmas, the worship of Christ God's firstborn son brought into the world the word made flesh, full of grace and truth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the human ritual of Christmas and all the joys and delights of it. We do pray, Lord, that you would teach us to worship, to worship you the high and holy, and also to know and to worship your firstborn son, Jesus Christ, whom we celebrate today. And in his name we pray. Amen.